Hello everyone, this is May. And this is Faye. And this is It's, it's okay, okay, That's K-Drama. Now, today we're going to discuss uh, actually the drama that inspired this uh, this podcast, and that is It's Okay, That's Love. Uh, now, before we go into the details, I think Faye has got something to tell us. Yes, we are going to discuss spoilers in a big way. So please, if you want to listen to this, um, please go and watch It's Okay, That's Love. You will enjoy it. You will love it. I really believe that. So please come back afterwards and get ready for a great discussion on It's Okay, That's Love. All right. Thank you very much, Faith. Um, so first of all, I'm going to go into a little bit of a plot description. I mean, I'm sure you've, you've all watched it. Um, but uh, the drama is really about uh, a writer who meets a psychiatrist on a TV show. And they form, well, first a friendship, even though he's very clear he likes her. Um, well, before the friendship, they form a sort of frenemy type thing. Frenemy, yeah, I yeah. think. Um, and then for various reasons, he moves into um, her house. Uh, and then eventually love blossoms. But this love is, is not so simple because it turns out that the protagonist, Jang Jae-il, the writer, is actually uh, schizophrenic and he's got some pretty serious hallucinations and it's going to take a while before everything is okay. So, um, as it's become now uh, our tradition, we'd like to do a little bit of a tagline uh, describing sure. this. So, Faye, would you like to start? Mine goes like this. An angry psychiatrist and her really cool roommates get another cool roommate. He is much cooler than them. He is also played by Joe and Sung. <laughs> now you'll get mine. It's um, kind of connected to a scene in the show when he says, you won't find anyone cooler than me, which we thought was very funny. But May, what's yours? Go ahead. So mine is dreamy schizo and his imaginary friend move into a house of damaged psychiatrist. What makes you hopeful is that by the end, the imaginary friend moves out. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be talking lots about uh, that as well. But first, let's talk about um, grades. So this was the first K-drama I ever watched. I mentioned this before, and uh, I liked it so much. It really got me into the whole watching K-drama thing straight away. When I first watched it, I had nothing to compare it to, so it was unusual, and there were so many new things for me. Um, I gave it a 9 out of 10 at the beginning, and because I watched it a year ago, I rewatched some of my favourite episodes and key scenes over the past couple of weeks. And I still, it's got an eight for me, eight and a half even. It hasn't moved down much at all. It's still, I find it's really, really great viewing. I absolutely loved it still. Obviously, when you watch it again, it's it's hard. that The magic goes sometimes, you know, the tension definitely goes. Cause you, but um, yeah, still really high for me. How about you? So uh, it's very interesting. Actually, this is not the first K-drama that I watched, but this is the, the first K-drama that I um, suggested Faye watches and I just I just knew there was something about it that she would love I don't know what it is I think it was the overall message and the and the hopefulness that that arises from it um, for me I'd I'd watched quite a few k-dramas by then um, but this was the first one that really properly stuck with me of all of the ones that I'd watched before I don't think any of those would be either worth discussing or even worth referring a friend to. So uh, at the time I watched it it was a 10 for me and this um, has been in my top 10 actually in my top three best dramas ever and it's been in the top spot uh, at least until I watched Reply 1997. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll have to do another um, episode when we talk about our top three. Yeah. I nearly got into our top three. <laughs> yeah but um, let's say that it shared first place with Reply uh, together with Staying Power. Um, so Staying Power as I would have said up, up until a week ago or so would have been uh, 10 as well 
But actually what happened is that I, I followed Faye's advice to do a bit of, re, of a rewatch because we'd done I'm this. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> because we'd done this, uh, we'd watched this over a year ago, so obviously it, it had been quite a while. And I have to say this rewatch has been pretty disappointing. Actually so disappointing that I had to stop because it was raining a lot of the, of the good memories that I had from this drama. So I think I'm keeping it an, at, at an eight, but um, mm. it's, it's sort of an eight that I'm giving more out of... Uh, dedication that oh, of, of really bad real belief. <laughs> I actually do hope that this conversation today will help me raise it back to its um, to its one spot um, actually just one thing that is very interesting is that I've always been very much against rewatches mm. um, I, I don't believe in spoiling the magic of, of the memory and of you know just how, how special it was it's also sometimes when you watch something you're watching it at the right time for yourself you're in the right space and when you watch it it, it fills a very certain and, and it gives you a certain message at the time and when you watch it later it's not there for you in the same way yeah it definitely I mean even though the message I think of this drama is hope and I, and I still feel that you know it gives me that um, but yeah, um, I think that, uh, oh, this is the recording. Wait, let me stop. So I'd say let's jump straight into the review, Faye. What do you think? Okay. So a big theme that we see in It's Okay, That's Love is psychiatry. Obviously the main character, Heisu, she's a doctor of psychiatry. And actually this bothers me a little bit. I prefer when dealing with a drama that deals with real life, um, issues that aren't imaginary for example psychiatry and different psychiatric disorders I find it unsettling when she gives them names and when they're dealt with because then you raise so many questions like was that correct was that incorrect and like if doctors are watching it they're going to be laughing at it so I prefer when they deal with real life issues in that way I much prefer if they were left vague you know I find it unsettling that she goes into it in such a basic way sometimes you know a huge issue that a, a, a client is dealing with and it's dealt with in like 20 seconds I, find, I didn't enjoy that so much. It's so funny because it never bothered me. I, I never, I mean, it, I very much see it as being accessory to the plot. So I don't mind it because obviously it gives them a sort of air of authority. But then at the same time, you know that this is not central to what you're watching. I know, but then I feel it should have been kept vaguer if it wasn't so central to the plot. You know, and, and like it was flashing up on the screen what the people were <laughs> suffering <laughs> yeah, the diseases. You couldn't ignore it, you know. And we've watched another medical drama. We watched Kill Me, Heal Me. And there it was kind of taken as kind of a joke. You know, the fact the end... Uh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert for Kill Me, Heal Me. Oh, I'm getting good at this. Okay. The fact... Spoiler alert for Kill Me, Heal Me. The fact that he had multiple personalities was seen very much as an accessory to the plot. And it was uh, it was seen as more like a joke. The fact that we had to deal with many things. and But here we're encouraged to take it seriously. And if you can't take it seriously, everything that it gives you, it's upsetting, you know. I don't know, because also, don't forget that obviously we live in a very different uh, world and a very different culture. And I think that in Korea, there's, there's much more of a stigma around mental illnesses or in, in a much stronger way than, than there is here. I think here there is also a fair amount. But... Oh, that's for sure. But it, it's, I think it's more accepted than, than it is over there. And I, I find think... K-drama often um, tries to give us certain messages. Exactly. You know, exactly. <laughs> so you know, let's get people used to the idea of mental illnesses or different uh, different things in different dramas. Yeah, so, yeah, and I like that because it, it tackles social issues and it, it tackles things that you know in Korean society are very very you know taboo sometimes. Uh-huh, uh-huh, so yeah. um, I, I actually so it, didn't like that. So it deals with all types of psychiatric issues. In fact, everyone in that in that flat in that housing share has some issue, um, officially mm-hmm. or non officially. So uh, Ji Hae Su has uh, intimacy phobia. We have Zhang Jiao who has schizophrenia, although we only find that later on. <laughs> I, I 
actually not so late not so late as you think because by the end i think of the fourth episode it's hinted at i mean if you're it's, clever it, then you understand straight away but some people need it till the middle of the fifth episode really? to get what was going on i mean i don't think it's hinted at he's like running <laughs> he's running at kwang and then suddenly kwang has completely disappeared i mean that's a pretty big red flag <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then we have so who else is in the house um we have Lee Kwang Su. Yeah. Pak Su Kwang. And so he's got pretty um, Tourette's. severe Tourette's. And then we've got Zhe Dong Min, who plays this amazing psychiatrist who is so caring of his um, clients, but also just shouts at everyone and <laughs> anything. Whatever moves. <laughs> he's very shouty. I, I actually resented the shoutiness by, by the second, by the rewatch very much. I, I found the shouty just intriguing and so confusing because this was the first K-drama that I watched. And, why is everyone shouting at each other? <laughs> like, Ji Hei was so angry at everyone, which I didn't know at the time. That was actually unusual for um, Gong Ho Jin, who she... I, I, I feel like I've watched quite a few of her other dramas now, and most of the other ones she plays, like, ditzy, very giggly other Wet characters. blanket sometimes. Well, without this strong character, and in this one, in It's Okay That's Life, she has this wonderful, amazing, very driven character with many flaws, but you see a real character built out of her personality and it's wonderful to watch I didn't know that that was unusual for her at the time yeah I think also because in, in this drama her emotions are very much more on the surface normally she's like the sweet nice girl who's trying not to hurt anyone whereas here you know she's angry one moment and she's uh, you know very happy the next but her emotions are very much on the surface she's also a much stronger character she really believes in herself you know she's a career woman she's really got what she, and she, she, she's not um, scared to yell at people not yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's in a position of authority, which was unusual as well. You know, if you compare it to her, you, it's night and day from her character and his mm. master's son and then some other ones. Yeah, no, that's... Or that's, definitely the beginning. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's for sure. Um, actually, it's interesting that you you mentioned all of this about the illnesses and um, and uh, Jihei Su, because actually, one of the things that really bothered me in the rewatch, which didn't bother me at the time, is the fact that she seems to have this incredible trauma about seeing her mother having an affair and this prevents her from having sex and this prevents her from really having a, a fulfilled romantic life. And then it sort of disappears. They, mm. they sleep together. I don't think uh, it's in the seventh or in the eighth episode. And then suddenly she's all fine. And I mean, with, with any sort of mental illness or disease, it, it never works like that. It's not like, oh, you have sex once. So oh, that was not a big deal. It's okay. My point exactly. <laughs> um, so. I feel her phobia was kind of like a plot device just to get her to, to hurt so that her and the character, Jung Dae-il, that they would have um, something to give and receive from each other. The fact that he um, helped her in so many ways, the, when they were at his apartment, um, when she got drunk, and um, he talks to her, he kisses her, and he explains that it's no big deal. Just stop thinking about things so much, just go for it, and that's all it is. He also tells her the story, um, there was a cave that didn't have light for a thousand years. It doesn't take a thousand years to make light go in the cave. All you have to do is switch on a light, which... It was so meaningful to me. It means so much on so many levels. I thought it was wonderful. But he... Um, helps her in seeing that sometimes you build up so much um, negative thought and, and stuff about an issue and it, that, it's you've built the stuff into a whole new thing and so he he helps her in that way mm-hmm. and obviously she helps as she sees that he's suffering from schizophrenia eventually and she helps him um, get treatment for that but I disagree with that. Actually, she doesn't see he's got schizophrenia. Everyone else Everyone around, around her yeah, with the sees video it. Maybe. And when she realizes that she can't really help him, and when he gets hospitalized, it would be unethical for her to help him anyway. No, but as in, even when she when he gets hospitalized, and you know she breaks the rules and she oh, goes yeah. in and everything. And the truth is, 
he only gets better after she leaves. That's true. That's she, true. That's very true. Which, as in, in a way, she doesn't help him at all. I mean, you, you, you can argue that she helps him because she loves him. And that love really helps him get over his traumas, that's for sure. Okay, she doesn't help him in an official level, but she helps him see... When they go to see um, her friend, who's a rocker, with, yes. with his wife, who's also um, suffering from schizophrenia, she helps him see that suffering from schizophrenia is not something that will incapacitate your whole life. She helps him see it on a level that... This is before he even knows who's... But who's at the time, neither of them know. Right, but she helps him understand that it's a normal thing. Yeah, not a normal thing. She helps him understand it's something that people deal with on a, on a daily level. Yeah, but by, the, by then, he's seen a lot of mental diseases and he's seen a lot of her patients, so this is not necessarily something that is so special to him. I actually think that the biggest help that she gives him is when she finally accepts to go away for a year. She understands that actually... The only way she can help him is to remove herself from the situation because he needs to do this by himself. That's that's very true as well. Which is unusual because it's, it's a switch. Because usually in K-dramas, when they have the big time jump, <laughs> when they have the, you know... <laughs> One of the many things brought on by the gods of K-drama, the, the time, time jump. It's usually the woman who needs to go go away and find herself. We've seen that two or three times. So it's interesting to see that he, he needed it. Yeah, I mean, he stays there and she actually does go away to find herself. But actually... She goes away because that's the only way, really, in, yeah. in which she can concentrate. Because otherwise, if she's around, he's always going to be addicted to her. He's always going to be addicted to the feeling that he has when he's with her. And he's just not going to take his treatment seriously, whereas he actually needs to take his treatment seriously. I, I see that, yeah. But I, I still think that that they did help each other. I just have to think about it more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, something I found really interesting is that the character Jan Dale, played by Joan Sung, is that he is suffering from schizophrenia, but he doesn't know this. Earlier on, she is dealing with certain clients, um, for example, the boy who um, draws genitalia, or the couple that she dealt with that were in this relationship that she felt um, like who was the pervert, who was um, coercing who. And interestingly, the person who has the clearest idea who can help her is Jan Dale. It's, um, you know, she, she portrays the different... Um, client storylines in I watched a movie or a friend told me you know different ways and often he can see straight to the root of the problem and gives her different tips on how to deal with it which is so interesting in the fact that he's the one who's um suffering from um, a mental illness but it doesn't incapacitate him it doesn't make him unable to think clearly about the world which is I, I feel a really strong message that just because you know he's he's yeah. got schizophrenia doesn't mean he can't see things clearly doesn't mean he hasn't doesn't got a really good handle on people which I think is a great message. Yeah, I think a lot of the time we think that someone who's got a mental illness just doesn't see things clearly and you can't really rely on them for opinions and everything. But actually, very often, they're just very normal people who just have something that incapacitates them on a specific on a specific issue. And actually, I think adding to that, you know, Janjil has gone through incredible suffering in his life. And one of the things... talk about why he got the schizophrenia, yeah. We'll, we'll get there. But, but, <laughs> but one of the things that Dongbin says says when he's sort of starting to, to realise what's going on is he's read what he what Jiao wrote when he was 16 years old. And he's just completely flabbergasted by the fact that how, how can a 16-year-old already have such a clear vision of life and of pain and 
of, of overcoming it. And, you know, forget the schizophrenia for a second, which is obviously, you know, the part that is being left damaged. But he's an incredible human being. Like, he's a caring person. He has a very successful career. Even if he's a caring and nice and kind person, he's not someone who will let people push him around the playground. He actually knows how to stand up for himself. You're talking about the wine. There's also the case in um, Japan. After We'll talk about that. I have a problem with that issue. Okay. But, you know, I treat someone the way I someone treats me so there's the wine back in your face <laughs> great scene we great actually scene. have to go through like our favorite scenes of the drama mm-hmm. um but yeah no i i think going back to the, to the original point is I, I very much agree with you um and even more is like Domin says he's just this incredible character who's managed to heal himself at an incredible price because the price that he has to pay is the schizophrenia but then at the same time it doesn't take away from the amazing human being that he is yeah. and even the schizophrenia like What I found outstanding is the level of humanity in the schizophrenia that even in an imaginary character that he's created, that he's just completely a figment of his imagination, he shows so much care towards this this boy. And it just shows his caring personality. And in a way, it shows the way in which he, Zhang Jiao, had to care for himself. Uh, That's what I was thinking exactly. So in a way, he's showing, he's looking at himself as a a 16-year-old. And trying to give him the care that he he would have needed then. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I really like that. I really yeah. like that because a lot of the time, healing is about forgiving yourself for the pain that you've had to go through. It's forgiving yourself for not being having been able to take care of things that were completely outside of your control. So I think it's an incredible gesture of love towards himself, to create a character like Quan. It's also a way of taking power back because you know he was abused as a child. He was kicked around, and he mm. had no power. So here in his schizophrenia, I'm assuming that he's taking the power back and giving himself the love that he had no power over when he was that age, and the love that he wasn't given even by his own mother because his mother was a very selfish woman. Let's face it. You think? Yeah, yeah. She thought about her pain more than she thought about her, her kid's pain. And here I'm talking about his brother. About I don't know about about Jabam. Right. Oh, like, let's talk about the brother. Yeah, he actually starts the whole drama, the first scene, I you know, know, with him leaving jail. <laughs> you see, it's it's one of the baddies or the villains that you can never really hate. <sighs> I, I think for, from the first moment, and that's a testament to how good of an actor he was, there is an incredible naivety and childishness about him, but not a childishness as in, a, you, know, you know, stop it, you're being a child kind of way. He's he's literally just this this little boy who never grew up, who can never grow up, and he's got this look in his eye. Why couldn't he grow up? Is that because of the trauma that happened? Because of the trauma and of the abuse and of the fact that he was innocent. Yeah, he was right all along. And can you imagine like the, the the sort of crickets that you're chasing around in your head when you know you're innocent and you're paying for someone else's crime? It's it, it's. Did he know it was his... No, he didn't know it was his mother all the way along. No. He wasn't he, sure. But he, he wasn't sure. His, his memories of it weren't clear, but he was sure that it was not him. Yes. And when people kept on telling me, yes, it was you, yeah, it was you, he was going crazy because he's like, I know it's not me. Yeah. And then there is this, this very powerful scene. I think that one of the big things about this drama is that there's a lot of powerful scenes. Mm-hmm. When he gets out of jail the first time around and he meets, and he meets Zhang Jiao and he attacks him. And then the swimming pool party. No, no, I'm I'm talking when the drama's already started. I think when... when, Oh, they meet at the pizza shop. When Jill is is going to pick up... um, After she calls him three times. Yes, Jisoo at the the bus stop. And he attacks him, and then Dongmi and Taeyong come, and eventually they they decide to bring him back to jail as as they were supposed to. And you can see that he just needs to let it out. So they let him out of the car, and he just runs in the night by himself. And you can see this, this... 
poor child who's been caged mm. at a very young age and you just see the sheer glare of being free and being able to run. Yeah. And I think that there's something about a scene that is, that, that's just very strong. Yeah, he was wonderful. He yeah. Was very wonderful. But I didn't like the way he kicked his brother around. Yeah. I, but I yeah. felt he just let her to, had to let out all that rage of being wrongfully imprisoned. Exactly, exactly. You, you can't quite forgive him, but you can empathise with him, well, I think. Then. Yeah. All right, what's next? <laughs> it's so funny, you mentioned Young. He's like Jung Jae-il's friend who um, cheats on him with his girlfriend in the second episode. Betrays first episode, him. Betrays him. Yeah. yeah. I, so because I didn't know the Korean terms for older brother or younger brother or any of those when I first watched it, I was, how is he making the name Young into Hyung? Like, <laughs> is he saying it really fast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's talk about the product placements in this in this pajama they were huge and in your face all the time i have to tell you i don't like fizzy water and after watching this drama i was like hmm, i need to try out this special machine it looks so refreshing <laughs> this is k-dramas they're just so brazen about product placement i think another one that we're going to do one day or other is goblin and i mean there is a scene in there where it's just like product placement when you know he's going through various jobs and uh, all the perfume yeah yes. body shop yeah <laughs> uh, it's just something that maybe like having grown in American TV shows and but they're quite subtle there. they, they yeah. tend to be quite subtle about it yeah. whereas th- there's just nothing subtle. this is actually something that I like about K-dramas in general is that Koreans just don't do subtlety I don't know because they do character development so well they understand that characters are never black and white. There are always so many levels of grey. And I find they do that so much better than Western Oh, TV. 100%. But I'm saying they don't do subtlety. When like when they're trying to communicate a message, the message <laughs> is, is not well hidden. So <laughs> even their levels of grey are like in your face. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, she's over this, but she's not over this. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and you need to know this. <laughs> oh, what, something else I absolutely adored about this. This was really um, amazing to me, was the set design and the colours. So even though that um, the character of Jung Jae-il, he suffers from OCD, which means he only decorates in certain colours, which were very primary colours, black, white, dark, blue, red and yellow. Uh, yeah. 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 So he dresses primarily in those colours. The, the room in which he stays in, in the flat chair and his own house are also all in those colours. And it was just a delight on yeah. the screen. It, it was just stunning. It was beautiful. There was silver in there, but certain colours were never introduced. And he dresses in those colours. And I think often Heisu compliments him on those colours. And I, it was just something I looked forward to. I loved it. And it's really funny because actually by now I've watched enough gay dramas to know this. There is something about summer dramas. Summer dramas tend to have the best colours and just the best scenery and just the also best explain this a little because this is something we discussed in that k-dramas often um go to a certain um season of the year yeah so it's okay that's drama you're saying is a summer drama it's a summer drama yeah. yes of course i forgot to mention it mm. um like goblin is a winter drama korean odyssey is a winter drama and the setting is very much current so they, they try to make it very much about the season that they're shooting in which is, which is actually quite refreshing. I, I really enjoy that. Um, it's fun trying to pick up on others. Yeah. And there is something that I've, I've realised about summer dramas is that they tend to be very colourful and very often about hope. They, less, they tend to be less tragic. It's literally as if, as if they're like waking up to, to summer and to life, whereas mm-hmm. winter dramas tend to have this sort of like darker mood. I, I get that. Mood. It's not something I always pick up on, so I'm happy for you to point that out to me. <laughs> Um, right, should would you like to maybe talk about the scenes that particularly stayed with us? 
Um, okay, so one of my favourite scenes, after I watched it the first time, I had to go back. I couldn't remember where this was. It was in scene, episode three. It was when they go out to eat after Jihesu tries to kick Zhang Jiao out because she doesn't know that the house actually belongs to him. to him. And then Dong Min makes her go and apologise, which she does, like... In a very terrible way. <laughs> but then she's not out. very good at that. She's not very good at that. It does not go, um, gel with her very forceful personality. Mm-hmm. Um, but they go out to eat and they're eating and Pak Su Kwang's character um, goes and tries to chat up a girl and everything. But Dong Min explains to um, Ji Hye Su how um, hard it is for a man when she uh, the fact that she won't sleep with them. And he does this whole um, skit with the, with the crisps. Yeah, yeah, putting it, open up your mouth. No, nope. take it back. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a great scene. But during that scene, Jang Jae chokes on his beer. And I'm positive it wasn't in the script. <laughs> yeah. It was like a blooper that was left in. It's a great scene. I remember going back and trailing through the episodes, trying to find this <laughs> scene of him choking on his beer. I loved that one. I also loved it when um, another scene I really liked was when he tells her the story, when he introduces her to the fact that, yes, he's sleeping in the bath. And this has been um, something she suspected. And um, he shows her into this absolutely gorgeous bathroom with a blue velvet curtain covering the bath. And he pulls it aside. There's this gorgeous um, roll-top bath. On the wall are two pictures of camels. And he explains to her the story behind the camels, a camel that's tied up by a tree at night in the morning. When the string is is removed, he won't escape because he remembers it. And he ties this into the fact that a child who has a trauma, when they're an adult, they still have the trauma and they can't move away from it. That was um, really meaningful to me. And I felt it was like um, a lot of the drama's message in a microcosm of trying to explain people's motivations and and their movement, which I liked very much. Um, Later on in the the K-drama, there were other scenes. But go ahead with some of yours. So uh, for me, I mean, there's there's the classic one, which I'm I'm sure a a lot of people liked, which is, when when we first find out about Jang Jol's schizophrenia, when he goes with with um, with Kwang Su to to this girl that he has a, a crush on, and they throw pebbles at her window, and she looks out, and he says, "You know, my friend likes you," and then they just run, and they're really like such kids running. You mm. know, it's like they've pulled a prank, but you know, you finally confessed your love, and and he runs, and then Dio from from EXO who plays um, Kwang Su runs along him, and then the camera zooms in on Jang Jol. And then it zooms out and you realise he's running on his own. And obviously you realise, this is the first time that you realise that there is something really wrong with him. You may not necessarily know it's schizophrenia, but you know that there is something really, really wrong. And, and you start finally understanding why this character, you know, there's something really strange about Kwang Su. Like, you know, he joins joins him in the bathroom. He's following him around everywhere. And, you know, you think like he's just a very persistent and fan. And no shoes. The no and shoes. no shoes. And you're thinking he's a very persistent fan. It's, he's a stalker. And, and then you, you just realise it's a figment of his imagination. And there was something that made me really sad mm. um, just seeing him, you know, this is in a way the only real friend, friend that he has because Taeyeon has actually betrayed him and his only real friend is not even real. Can I tell you something really funny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, going through YouTube and I found, um, um, it was um, um, Joe and Sung sitting next to Dio from EXO. And I looked at it and I was like, wait a second, he's not real. <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing here? Like, he doesn't exist in real life. <laughs> um, give me another favourite scene. So, actually, this is where I bring my rewatch um, up and, and why I didn't like the rewatch so much. Because another one of the favourite scenes is when they're in his apartment and, and they kiss for the first time after mm. they're all just a bit tipsy. And 
you know, the, the first time around I really liked it and how, like, he, you know, carries her to his bed and, you know, goes to sleep in the bathroom. And I, I only saw the caring side of him. But actually the, the entire scene about him kissing her, there's something that just, like, really didn't sit right with me. And it, it's it's shown again in Okinawa when he's sort of forcing her, not really forcing her, but trying to convince her to have sex. There's a certain amount of coercion there. Exactly. And, and, I, and <clears throat> I like it even less than physical coercion because I find that it's more subtle, it's more manipulative. And... Uh, you know, in a way, I've, I've painted um, Zhang Jiao as this dreamy character, and I found something very unsettling about actually seeing how subtly manipulative he was sometimes, mm. and I really didn't like that. Yeah, no, I, I remember noticing that the first time, not um, not not in his apartment, but definitely in Okinawa. That really upset me when he when he refused to um, have you know sort of engage with her. Um, after she refused to sleep with him. That really upset me, I think, the first time. And I as well, I tried to, like, forget about mm -hmm. it because of the rest of the K-drama was so good. <laughs> and I think that that's when I stopped watching, just because, like, Aww. I didn't want to ruin... Daniel, for me, is a very important character in my personal life. Not um, not because he's, uh, you know, so dreamy, and by God, he is. <laughs> but it's, it's really because it, it's a character of hope. It's a character that's gone through a lot of trauma yeah. and through a lot of damage. Um, and it's not just he learns to overcome it because a lot of people can do that but as I was saying before when I was talking about the the, 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 cat, the hallucination that he created he shows such an incredible amount of self-care and self-love um, and I think that that's something that, that has stayed with me um, mm. in this drama so um, when I'm talking about favourite scenes I think these two come up uh, and then also towards the end when he decides to go back to, to hospital and the, both scenes related to feet. So the first one is when Dong Min and, and, and Su Kwang go and visit him and trying to convince him to get back to the hospital and really doesn't want to. And then he... That's he's, a lovely scene of camaraderie. I like that very much. And, and, mm. and then when they leave, he's just trying to figure this whole thing out. And that's when he realises that he never wears shoes. That that Quanxi never wears shoes, and that's and that's when he knows. Is that when Hesu calls him three times when he's biking? Yes, yes. I wanted one of those phone covers. <laughs> <laughs> Such a random thing to say. I know, but I think about halfway through the drama, they all had these particular phone covers. Yeah, everyone, even his mother. Yeah, placement. But his feet is it, he takes pictures of her feet, her hands, and her feet. But it's it's a definitely a strong theme. Yeah, yeah. and and when he sees that that Quanxi is not wearing shoes. Yeah. And that's when he knows, and then he checks himself back into hospital. And then in that same episode at the end, when he says goodbye to Kwang Su for the, for the, for the mm. last time, and he washes his feet. That and was one of my favourite favorite scenes as well, definitely. It's heartbreaking, because he's going... He's not just letting go of his friend, but he's really letting go of all of this pain and all of this trauma and all of this damage and it's incredibly painful i think he's also letting go of the fact that he's acknowledging it face on he's acknowledging that he had this trauma he's acknowledging this is the way i dealt with it mm -hmm. but now i'm going to deal with it in a healthier way yeah and, and so I, th I feel that's even stronger and know? the theme of care is there again because it's not like okay you're in hallucination bye bye but you're i think he makes it clear that he will always appear yeah he's not going to get rid of that but i'm not also, sure how that ties in with um but he also says like you're such an important part of my life in a way and you know I'm going to wash your feet, which is, again, a, a very intimate gesture. And I think it's an acknowledgement that he is Kwang Su and Kwang Su is him. Yeah. They um, have that lovely scene with um, teenage him and Kwang, and Kwang Su behind him, sort of merging into, a into one, one and then sort of separating again. Yeah. Um, so I think his favourite scenes, yeah. this is... I also love the scene when, when she goes to collect her phone and he's at the recording studio and outside all these, you know, teenage girl fans... 
And there's just this lovely moment. There's this great music playing. I absolutely adored um, the OST. It was it was great. But um, they sort of text each other while yeah. he's and looking at each other. It, it was great. I, I like that scene. And um, I had one more, but it's um, gone out of my head right at the moment. Then in the meantime, I'm just going to say something while you think about it, <laughs> which is that um, actually one of the differences between uh, me and Faye is that I'm, I'm massively into K-pop, um, whereas, whereas Faye never really got into it. She, she got into variety shows uh, when I didn't, but um, there you go. And how I got into K-pop, I mean, is obviously through K-dramas. Um, and I think because, in a, in a way, much more than in Western shows, the OST is such an important thing. The OST is a massive deal, and these songs very often, and I'm going to talk about it in, when I speak about um, Korean Odyssey, uh, very much... Um, have messages that the lyrics have messages about mm. about the the drama as well and the music is amazing and um yeah i think it was just like a, a shout out to the ost which i think was incredible there's just a lot of songs that are still on my on my spotify playlist mm -hmm. so um yeah it, it's also what got me to k-pop <laughs> um, and, and that's sold by chen um who's also from exo by the way i don't know if you know um best luck um it's just one of my favorites <laughs> i know the, the other scene i meant it was when he was in hospital and he's going for a walk. Oh, I love the way in hospital he sort of becomes the leader of the guys. Of the gang. <laughs> <laughs> he that is such great. a leader, though. Well, yeah, he's taller than everybody else in the scene, which yeah. is also fun. Anyway, they're walking in the in the yard, and he's walking one way, she's walking the other way. And as they and they pass, they sort of grasp hands for just like a few seconds. And as they walk past, they sort of exactly. link, and they both walk off with these cute little smiles <laughs> on their faces. I thought it was a lovely moment. Yeah. Um, and then one thing, actually, Kate, um, Faye and I listened to this uh, podcast a while back. Um, I think it's called K-Drama Therapy or K-Drama Addiction. K-Drama Addiction Therapy. I think they recently brought it to an end, which was a shame. You were so great. And um, I remember that they discussed the Sakevit Slav, and at the time um, Faye and I listened to it, we were literally shouting against our phones and saying, <laughs> how can you say that Joan Song's got a slagger? I mean, yes, he's got a slagger, but he's so dreamy. <laughs> and actually, one of the reasons why I really didn't enjoy this, this rewatch is because it, it sort of ruined John Jay a bit for me. I mean, he's still an amazing character, but yes, I did see the swagger and the sort of like, I'm better than you think, I'm cooler than you think. Like, okay, we it's get it. cooler than you think. Okay, we get it. <laughs> no, no, no. I disagree totally. He was so justified in that swagger. <laughs> Something I remember loving in this um, drama was that there was so much honesty between the two main characters. The honesty of owning up to their own shortcomings and to their feelings for each other. Mm. So um, Jang Jail's, um he, he wanted to date her very early on and he kept on asking her and she kept on saying no. Um, and she, when she argued with her boyfriend in the garden in the rain, then he was listening. And so he knew pretty much what was going on. But um, straight away, when she asked him how, about his feelings for her, he was so honest with them. There was no messing around. There was no playing around. Yes, I like you very much. I'd like to date you. Will you date me? No, I won't. <laughs> but it was great. And even after they were together and they fought, um, this was the first key, um, Korean word I, I, I remember learning. <laughs> when they were in the recording studio, they were doing a recording show together. And he asked her, and she asked him, do you love me? And he said, like crazy. So I, um, like he was so honest, even when they're fighting, they're upfront, no, not playing games with each other, which is a shame when he plays games with her in Japan. But in general, they were very upfront, very straight up with each other, very honest about their feelings for each other. When, after they've slept together and she asks him, do you love me? And he says, yes. And she says, I don't believe you. Which I thought was great because that is, 
that is such a true reflection of her character at the time. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to like to have her say, "Oh, it's all okay." You know, no, she had really conflicted feelings. She did not believe that he was in love. She did not feel she deserved it. So I thought that was great. I like that. Yeah, and it's also when he asks her to to marry him for the first time. He says, "You know, when they're in that bar and they're just having a drink," and he says, "Will you marry?" And she she just like. It's hilarious. She just doesn't get it. She really thinks he's joking. He's like, yeah, you're not proposing for real. He's like, yeah, I'm proposing for real. And you can tell that he's hurt, but like not mortally wounded. Like, it doesn't really go with his character that he's proposing to her. I mean, as far as she knows, he's a player. She calls him a player many times. Yeah, but she thinks he's a player. He's always very forthcoming about the fact that he's actually been quite monogamous, if you think about it. He's yes. had the same girlfriend for three years. Yes, but then he says, when she asks him, how many other girls have you been with? Then he goes, you don't want to know the answer to that question. That's true, too. So it's, it's going to take time for her to believe these things about him. I think that's true. Um, yeah. Anything else? Yeah, so I thought it was great. Often K-dramas, they sort of lose a bit of steam towards the end. Like after the great reveal, or the great something the great, or other. Or the kiss. <laughs> or the it's kiss. the kiss that happens between episodes 11 and 13, I would say. <laughs> That's normally when you can expect a kiss, if you get a kiss. By the way, if you're in K-drama beauty and you ever see a kiss before episode 11, consider yourself lucky and don't expect that to happen again. <laughs> Yeah, no, but often um, after this time, the te- uh, it, you know, it's when all the tension has sort of released itself a little bit yeah. and things sort of low. But I felt this was strong, even a, a, a long way through, because you were always waiting for the schizophrenia to sort of be re- revealed to everybody. And then even after it was revealed, it was still strong. Getting him to the hospital, they have this absolutely heartbreaking evening together and Jehosu just can't let go. And then eventually she has to when he goes out and maybe has another car crash. Um I do feel in the last episode it faltered a bit. After, the, <laughs> before, during, after the time jump, the time jump so necessary. When she comes in from the time jump, everyone ignores her. It's it was terrible. <laughs> I actually love the fact that everyone ignores her. I hated the fact that everyone ignored her. What was all that about? <laughs> I, I quite liked it, as in like they're you know they're clearly pulling a prank on her. They're clearly very happy to see her. They're not genuinely ignoring her, and I quite like that they don't lose the playfulness around it. Right. Okay. So, so it doesn't match with that, but still. That was mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they do um, salvage it right at the end with a lovely walk through the, the streets. And that was Eating ice cream. Eating ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> I want Korean ice cream. It looks yummy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, it was a good ending. It wasn't the strongest ending. The, the thing with K-dramas is actually, I always say to Faye, they don't know how to end it. They no. just, they have this amazing story and have this amazing climax and then just don't know what to do with it. Often. Often just at the end. They yeah. just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And there's very few exceptions. I mean, f- from my part, I think. Spoiler alert. For whatever you're about to say spoiler alert. Um, yeah I mean it, it's not really spoiler but I'm saying the only endings that really worked for me mm. um, without any buts mm-hmm. are Reply 1997 <laughs> uh, Kill Me Heal Me and Korean Odyssey that's three that's it's not too bad yeah I've watched a fair few <laughs> I've watched a fair few um, so yeah. yeah the sending was okay but it, it could have been better I mean it's okay it's nice to get married it's nice that she gets pregnant even though she doesn't really want to get pregnant at that time but I don't know, it missed something. So I was going to ask you about things you felt it could improve on. Would the, the ending would have been something you would, you felt it could have been improved on? Yeah, I think the ending uh, would have definitely toned down just the the forcefulness of, of some of the scenes. And I know you... What do you mean the forcefulness of some of You know, of, of the sort of sex-related scenes and how, <laughs> and how forceful Jandale is about. Oh, you mean the question? Yeah. And the, oh, fine, yeah. okay. Um, okay. I would have toned down... Um, a Sung Dong Il shoutiness just because I've watched enough dramas with him shouting and I just don't think I can take it anymore. In reply 1997, I was like, oh sure, that's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> it literally feels like this is what he does. All he does is shout. Um, he didn't do it in Scarlet Heart. It, it did a little bit. Did he? A little bit, yes. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and then um, I think there was something else, but why don't you go with yours? Because I can't remember at the um, moment. Things I didn't like. So obviously um, what we said about the coercion, the slightly grey area, non-concern, it, it just it really grated on me. Um, something else is the lack of privacy between the characters. So obviously you've got the camaraderie in the house share, which was great and so funny the way they all made fun of Jang Jiel. Hi, she's just, she's just playing with you. You know, she'll let you go this far, never get far enough. That's how her ex-boyfriend got to 300 days. You know, he got five kilo when he was dating her. That was great. But at the same time, there was a certain lack of privacy which bothered me. There was one scene where Dong Min tells Jang Jiel about Ji Su's um, sex phobia, which was way out of line in every way possible like watching that I, I was I could not believe that that <laughs> even in a k-drama that is unethical on every level. every level that was terrible and also at the end when she's pregnant and he just walks out and goes to tell his friends before he sort of you know celebrates with her which that was not okay <laughs> but I think that that's partly the point of the house and like you know in a way in order to heal it needs to be a a communal experience and I think that this is one of the messages oh, of the drama okay. I don't particularly care for it but I think that that's very much what you see all along like even the fact that you know they're married and they still live with them if you think about it it's as if like the, the, I think that was just for the purpose of the that made no sense that was just for the last scene <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> um, oh and I'll tell you something else I didn't like the tomato scene fight that was an extended trailer that should not have got in that was ridiculous yeah, I mean, I <laughs> say that but actually I, I quite i quite like that i didn't mind no i didn't mind it but it should have been like after the credits maybe, maybe. yeah we didn't talk about pax aquenza romance um i'll go i'll go into that in a second but actually one of the things that i wanted to improve on and i i think you're really not gonna like me now um <laughs> so you have to know that Faye is a big fan of gong hejin and i i like her she's definitely a, a good actress but um i think having watched a few dramas with her right now she's definitely a little bit samey sometimes, even when the character is not the same, the way in which she acts a lot of the scene is very samey. And one thing that really annoyed me about Ji Hsun about how she played her is that she's a very angry woman mm. and it, it's actually a bit unpleasant that anger. And you know, she she foists her, hang, her anger on everyone, and it's not really fair. Um, and it is acknowledged, and you it, know, when they ask um, Jang Jiao, like, why do you like her? Like, she's so mean, and he goes, well, don't tell her, she doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's it's not about that, like, about how he tries to make everyone feel guilty because she's angry. When does she do that? Um, it, it just it, repeatedly, like, really? repeatedly, it's like, everything is someone else's fault. She's She very rarely takes responsibility for anything. Really? Everyone makes her angry, everyone does wrong things to her, but she never does anything wrong to them in her head. And, and the way in which she plays her, Mm. in which Kong Yijin plays it to me always makes it a bit sort of sour spinster and I really didn't care for that mm. interesting so yeah um, you want to speak about Kwansu romance I actually it's very interesting because I, I, I kept I veered off, the, um, off it very uh, on purpose um, just because like I just found it very disturbing this is a schoolgirl like leave her alone you're, you're a man in his 30s just just leave her alone he did leave her alone. Oh, you mean um, the Pax Kwan character was yeah. in his 30s? Yeah. I thought he was made to be, be younger. No, I don't really think so. Well, it's made very clear that um, Zhang Zhao won't have anything to do with her when he asks her to get cigarettes. Yeah. You know, and he gets a yogurt or something. Yeah, yeah. Product placement. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't like that she's so young. I don't like she's a schoolgirl. I don't yeah. like... This... I, 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 didn't, I didn't understand that. I, I didn't see that she, he was being played by a 30-year-old. I thought he was being played by someone in early 20s. And you're right, that is unsettling. I never thought of it that way. Um, and, and also he doesn't really get to know her. He likes her because she's pretty. Mm. Um, 
it's very interesting because um, I, I very much disliked a character when I first watched. Um, Me too. It's okay, that's love. And uh, actually, I can't, I can't remember her name now. She's a very famous actress, but she plays Kim Bok Joo in, in Weightlifting Fairy Kim Bok Joo. And this is one of the reasons why I didn't want to watch it, even though I think that actually Weightlifting Fairy Kim Bok Joo. We have to watch it. it because. <laughs> yes, because of, because of, of Becca. Um, so, um, you know, you, you might um, hear about it pretty soon. <laughs> I didn't like um, Dong Min's um, marriage and his ex-wife. It was such a sad plot point. You know, so you meet his wife for the first five minutes and then she goes to America. You never see her again. And so his ex-wife is playing a psychiatrist in the same hospital. And she's still in love with him. She's still in love with and him. he's still in love with her. He still loves her. And they, you know what? They are such a great couple. They are. They are. They complement each other in every single way. They yell at each other, but that's only because they're so frustrated that they can't be together. Yeah. They have this divorce party, which just shows they just want to keep on coming up with ridiculous reasons to spend time together out of work. And it's just so sad. I mean, obviously, not everyone can end up with a happy ever after, but they just, it was amazing how well they complimented each other. Yeah, they, 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 they would have been a great couple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so do you have any uh, final thoughts? Um, any final thoughts? Uh, I love that this is always going to have a very special place in my heart. It left me with a lot of hope at a time in my life when I needed it. Mm. Um, so I'm not taking anything away from it. From it, um, but um, rewatching it has actually been a, a difficult experience for me. The interesting thing about this, actually, that I wanted to say before is that I normally don't do rewatches, and there is one big exception, and this is Reply 1997, and that is actually the only show that I've rewatched and that has stayed just as good. <laughs> it's okay that Slav is actually not. So mm. interestingly enough, I always, ha- I always had this thing about who should be on my top spot. Should it be It's okay that Slav or, or 1997? <laughs> and I think that 1997, thanks to this rewatch, has claimed the top spot. Mm. <laughs> That's not such a good ad for this. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll just end off with that. I just absolutely adored the messages that we got from the character, um, Jang Jae-ol. I loved um, his ideas and his way of... Um, portraying them to the world which was something um, that's really really stayed with me thank you so much for listening thank you so much for listening and you can tune in uh, next week for um, our review of Jealousy Incarnate yeah thank you very much (laughs) bye bye